Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Ignited Firefighter Podcast. This week, I was able to sit down with Chief Rain Gray of the Phoenix Fire Department. Rain Gray has been a firefighter for over 23 years, working in every rank and currently serving as a division chief for the city of Phoenix. He's the host of the Fireground Fitness Podcast, a U.S. Marine veteran, and an avid outdoorsman, public speaker, father, and husband. Chief Gray spent his life pushing the boundaries of physical discomfort, running ultra-distance events of all kinds, climbing granite walls, getting choked to the edge of life in jiu-jitsu tournaments, and has stood on top of the highest peaks in the U.S. Further, Chief Gray also believes in pushing the mind. With a commitment to lifelong learning, he continues to attend courses and classes and is always looking for the next good book. Along the way, Chief Gray has completed a wide array of certifications and credentials to include a master's in public administration. Chief Gray has stated that there are so many variables and complexities in life that it is imperative that we keep experiencing, learning, and in turn, sharing what we have discovered. He says to go on and get some. He's the epitome of the key three, lighting the spark, stoking the flames, and passing the torch. So I'm really honored to bring you this discussion today. I think you guys will get a, a lot out of it. So without any further delay, here's my conversation with Chief Rain Gray. Mr. Rain Gray, how are you doing, my man? I'm fantastic, Ryan. How are you? <laughs> doing good. Thanks for coming on the show. Uh, glad to do it. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I know you've, uh, you've been in the, the podcast space for a while. So how long, how long have you been doing that? Oh, I knew you were going to ask me a hard question like that. Um, <laughs> let's see. We've been, uh, we, I have been getting after it for about, about a year and a half cool. and uh, maybe a little bit longer. The, I will tell you a funny story though. It, I have been talking about doing it since 2014. Nice. So I was, uh, the story goes, I was, I was promoted to captain. I was working at the uh, command training center. And I'm surrounded by these, these deputies and, and battalion chiefs and division chiefs, and they're having conversations about uh, fireground operations and, and, and fireground integrity and, and topics that I had never entertained. And so one day I pulled my boss aside and I said, hey, uh, Chris, how come, how come I've never had this conversation before in the 15 years of my career or whatever it was? We, we've never had this discussion. And he's like, I don't know, we should. And I said, yeah, well, yeah, that's what I'm saying. We should have this yeah. conversation. And so I said, you know what we should do? We should start a podcast. And he said, you know, that's a fantastic idea. You should do that. Yeah, yeah. And it turns from who, it turns said, into we to you. Yeah. I said, who, me? I go, yeah. not, I don't have the, I do not have the nuts or the wherewithal. I am not that guy. I'm not there. Yeah. And um, so it took me several years to uh to grow, to develop the intestinal fortitude, yeah. to actually, uh, to do a podcast, and so, so we launched uh, somewhere in 2019, and we're like 60, That's true, 60, man. Uh, 60 episodes in now. Yeah, I just saw that. That's awesome. Congrats, yeah. dude. That's good. Well, yeah, I'm a, yeah. a pale in comparison to yours. <laughs> I saw your uh, intestinal. I like that intestinal fortitude. It's true, man. Because like you have this idea. And you want to launch it. And then I don't know if you were like me, but I had absolutely no idea about how to do any of this. Yes. <laughs> like yeah. not one clue. I had to like sit down, research it all, figure it out, and then just right. dive in, just like take action, you know? So yeah. what, what good, year man. did you kick off? Oh boy. Um, I want to say it was 2019 with the podcast, 2017 with ignited uh and then i think it was 2019 or it might even be late 2018 with the podcast I, i'd honestly have to go back and look nice i know uh i know i'm in season three of the show so that means i That's i'm over You're two so years much, so much more organized than me <laughs> you have seasons i mine's one long season <laughs> I, I was so like, uh, I was so wanting to be so organized and, and meticulous about it that I found like that was kind of holding me back from actually starting, you know, cause you want it to be so good and so perfect and this and that. Yeah. And man, I, it was just like, I had to embrace the idea that I'm just going to learn as I grow and 
And fortunately, that was one of the things I had set up from the beginning is having seasons. And I, I made the commitment. I was like, I'm going to do one episode a week every Friday and and I'm just going to go. I'm just going to go for awesome. it. So, yeah, I yeah man, I saw that, 60 episodes. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, No, no. I was going to say I committed to doing uh, every other week. And mm. that has that for me, you know, every week was was aspirational and I landed on every other week. And that's I've been able to sustain that. So with the, uh, an odd break here and there for holidays or whatever, but that's good though, man. Yeah. That's good. That commitment, at least, you know, to something is, is awesome. That's what I, that's what well, I, what inspires me. I think to your point, you have to have a plan and, uh, and then be willing to execute on that plan. Right. So it starts with the idea and then working out what you want that idea to look like and then building it out from there. Uh, but I think writing it down and, and laying the, the earthwork for it ahead of time is really important in order to be able to be successful in the execution of it. So, yeah. Um, so yeah, good on you for, for having a, a serious plan ahead of time and then going for it. And I think, yeah, you know, you said something too about the idea of not necessarily having it all figured out, but just doing it. So um, I will throw myself out here. It will be a little bit vulnerable, but I just started writing a book. And oh, nice. it's something I've been thinking about for a long time that I would love, you know, I'm like, hey, I want to do this. I would love to do this. So I sat down and I wrote first uh, sort of the, um, the idea, uh, the, the framework, the thesis, if you will, of what this mm-hmm. project would look like. And then I sat down and wrote a table of contents, which I did not like, immediately scrapped it. And so, <laughs> but the point is, is instead of waiting for the perfect opportunity, I just said, you know what, I'm pulling the bandaid off. I'm doing this thing. I'm going to get up at four in the morning and then from four 30 to five 30, I'm going to write and whatever comes out of me comes out of me. And if I can produce something, then fantastic. And my, you know, my selfish indulgence is as soon as the, the page is written, I head off and I go to jujitsu and um, whatever pent up aggression I develop, I can go unleash it. That's awesome, man. Any frustration that comes from writing, you can just get it out on that guy. That's right. <laughs> on <the> exactly. <laughs> Writer's block be damned. I'll choke it out of you. Bend some joints. Yeah. <laughs> Break some arms. And <laughs> that's awesome, dude. Uh, how long have you been doing jujitsu? Uh, it's been about four years. Okay. Yeah. It's a, it's a journey. Do you roll at all? Do you train? You know, I have, I don't belong to any particular gym, but uh, you know, I'm still trying to like settle dust on a few different things and I've got a few plates spinning right now, yeah. but uh, I've been able to to roll with some guys, and and I went out to Maine. Um, well, you you actually interviewed uh, Ryan Mickler a couple weeks yeah, ago. I did. Yeah, so I went out to his place uh, last year, and um, we toured the Origin Factory, oh, all nice. of that stuff. Yeah, it was super cool, man. And we got to roll with some of the guys there, and and kind of go through some basics. Um, so that was cool. And then, uh, several, what was it back in, I think it was 2019. I went out to Dallas and went to Jocko's first roll call. It was like, it was his symposium just for fire EMS military. Yeah. It was I've like been his, wanting to do that. How was it? Yeah. It was like his first one. It was amazing. It was yeah. three days, uh, with him and his team focusing all on leadership from different perspectives and, and geared mainly towards the fire service. So it spoke to all of us. And, uh, after every, like in the mornings, you know, he, he takes pictures of his watch, right. Every morning yeah. at like four 30 yeah. to kind of hold us all accountable, if not himself, yeah. but <laughs> before the enemy. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> and so he would host workouts every morning before our, before our meetings. And then at the end of the day, they would set up mats and you could like roll with him and Echo Charles and all these guys. Nice. These guys are going to break me in half. Killers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Serious killers. But it was fun, man. It was real fun. It kind of lit the fire. And, and I'm looking forward to finding a, a good gym here. I've got a buddy who, who rolls, I think, like three times a week or so. And so nice. I'm going to make contact with him and figure out what I can do. But that's awesome, man. Yeah. It's definitely a good workout. I, Endurance well, is the name of that game. I, I think having a uh... – uh, a physical discipline in your life is really important. And uh, really for me, jujitsu is, you know, I turned to it, I came to it pretty late. I guess I was well, 46 or 47 when I started training and being able to work on a practice and, and see growth and development every day is 
very rewarding on one hand, but also is a, is, uh, is a sense of discipline that pays dividends. So mm-hmm. it pays dividends in other places in your life. You know, I have some friends who talk about it as like a, a moving meditation. And, and, and to me, that's a very real part of it is you go there and your mind is on nothing else except for the practice of jujitsu. And the, the more you do it, the, the more you learn to focus on elements of the game and that in of itself becomes a very focused practice. So that's kind of cool. Yeah, that is very cool. I liked how you said moving meditation. You know, we, we all get lost from time to time in like the, the job or the politics or, you know, whatever, maybe even our, you know, our family's taking a toll or something is stressing us out and it's taken up all that headspace and we forget to just kind of like be in the moment, you know, and with a job like ours, oftentimes on the fire ground and EMS scenes, we, we can't really afford to not be in that moment, you know, because we've, we've dedicated ourselves to that person or those people needing help at that time. And, uh, practicing that moving meditation. I like that a lot because it, you're, you're forced to disregard everything else mm-hmm. and just focus basically on not dying. <laughs> yeah. Like, hey, the stresses of life go away. You know, I'll, you know, leave work and there's meetings that I've been stressing about or thinking about or activities that are going on in life with family and, and what have you. And all that is gone. The minute you walk in the gym, partly because there's a social network there that is, outside of that other circle, but also because once you put your feet on the mat and you focus your attention on that activity, it, it, it's, um, all encompassing and it takes every fiber of your body and and your mental concentration to be successful. Yep. So, or even to be unsuccessful, frankly. (laughs) Right. And, and honestly, even then there's lessons to be learned, you know, cause like you'll go in and, 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 uh, you know, you might think like you're a tough guy or whatever, and maybe you're a big guy and you lift a lot of weights or whatever. But when you go in there, like you can get humbled real quick, <laughs> real oh, quick by like a I, guy half your size. Yes. And he's got you in like a rear naked choke in like a matter of seconds. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've been rolled up by guys who are, who are, you know, 50% my weight and size many times. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is humbling that's for sure it can be mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so you, you talk about jujitsu um i know the name of your podcast and your blog fireground fitness podcast yeah there's a big focus on fitness obviously and i love to see your posts on instagram and stuff and you're you're in your gear you're climbing towers and you're you're sharing a message with yeah. with your audience and i think that's awesome because you're not asking anybody to do something that you're not willing to do yourself which I think is huge when it comes to leadership, especially. And we'll talk about that a little bit later, but um, when it comes to fitness and, uh, and the fire service, like that's to me, the minimum barrier for entry, right? I mean, that's the bare, most basic thing that you need. And uh, I've heard a lot of talk and I've, I've seen a lot of books coming out lately about like winning and you got to win and this and that. And I'm thinking like, well, we don't really win fires, you know, let's, we don't really win, like fire will go out eventually, (laughs) you know, whether or not we intervene. And so it's hard to differentiate and and really claim that we've won it or we're winning that thing. And for me, it's more of like an infinite game. Like we're here to stay in the game as long as we can. And I think fitness is an incredible way to do that very thing. And so you'd mentioned jujitsu but I was curious, what other things, what other elements of fitness or, or types of fitness do you prefer? Oof. So it's interesting. Is it is a lifelong process for me, right? So um, I came into the fire service as a, tri- prior to the fire service, I was a triathlete. I'd run Ironman and um, thought that, that, you know, thought that that was the pinnacle of physical yeah. capacity. And then, um, and it carried me a long way, right? That, yeah. that, heavy, uh, the, the, I was a bigger guy. So I'm, you know, I think at that time I was about 190 pounds. And, um, so I'm pretty long and six foot two. So have a fairly large stature and, um, had the endurance of, of, uh, of an Ironman, right. I could go for days and days and days. That's awesome. And a few years into the job, I began to, to realize that, that, that I needed a little bit more broad capacity. So, <clears throat> so my story 
actually. Uh, I, I started getting a couple years older. I had a, we had a brand new baby at home and, and I was getting a little less active. I wasn't training 30 hours a week doing, you know, endless cardio. And I started to get fat. And, uh, you know, but I was you know, a pretty big guy, so I carried it pretty well. But I realized I was getting soft. And I go out to the bay one day and I said, you know what? I remember when I was in the best shape of my life was when I was in the Marine Corps. So I'm going to do pull-ups, sit-ups, side straddle hops, and run. Well, I could barely bang out three pull-ups. And that's when I realized I was just a giant, soft weakling. And yeah. so I, uh, I started kind of dabbling with the CrossFit model. And for me, it was, you know, CrossFit has the whatever, the 10 domains or whatever. And for me, it was really simple. You need to be, you need to have metabolic capacity, right? You need to have strength and, and power. That's what see, the three elements that I could boil it down to. And so that's where I ended up spending most of my time. So for me, I feel like the, the functional industrial athlete is focusing on those three things. They develop a good base of strength. They develop the ability to apply that strength in the form of power, right? And then the ability to sustain uh, output for a long period of time. So to answer your question more directly, I love any activity that gets me uh, moving and outdoors. I love to lift weights. I love to, I love to, clearly I love to train jujitsu because I get to, you know, play with other people. And it's a lot of fun, but I also <laughs> love uh, long distance sports because it's mentally and physically challenging. Uh, so that broad spectrum uh, of, of movements and athletics to me are really important and, uh, and very enjoyable to me. Yeah, man, I agree. I, I like and I appreciate the idea of having that broad spectrum and being dynamic in your fitness because, um, you know, you'll see, you'll see some, there are some firefighters out there who, who strictly do strength training and, you know, they're bench pressing like 400 pounds or squatting 600 pounds and all this stuff. And I'm like, that's great. It's impressive. But at the same time, it's like, is that going to serve you on the fire ground? Is that is that going to serve you on the fire ground in a practical sense? And, and it may, if you need to, you know, Hulk smash through a wall, but, <laughs> but at the same time, are you good for only that one thing? And then you're out of the game right. or are you going to be able to stay in and, and keep fighting that fire, keep doing that, you know, crawling around on hands and knees and doing that right-handed search. So, or are you limiting yourself? You bring up a really good point, which is the ability to stay in the game. So, I look at that and, and I'm not talking about just, uh, I think about that in terms of a firefight. I think that's what you're talking about. Yeah. When I take, I'll, I'm going to stretch that out and talk about the whole entire career. Yeah. The, the duration of your career requires you to be healthy and, and to sustain a level of physical capacity for the whole entire duration of your career, 25 yeah. plus years. Right. And so in order to do that, if you're just lifting weights, you are going to run into a, a, a biological barriers, physical barriers, and, and you end up breaking down a little bit. So you have to balance that with other activities. Right. And so yeah. here I am, I'm about to turn 50 and, um, it is a, uh, a mental challenge for me to say that out loud. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and I've noticed over the last few years that I'm, you know, I've had a few, uh, I had a few medical emergencies that, that landed me with some foot drop that's changed the way my body moves and my ability to do things that I used to love, like I don't run anymore because running is really awkward for me. I feel like a baby deer, <laughs> so I don't do it, right? So what? So I'm like, okay, well, what can I do? The point I the reason I bring that up is because throughout the course of our career, we are going to change, right? We we'll go through seasons in our lives, and and we are talking about being functional and capable every day, 365 days a year throughout the course of our career, um, and things are going to happen. So what? So we have to be thinking about how we sustain our capacity uh, throughout all those seasons, right? You have kids, you go to school, you, you go through divorces, you go through marriages, like your life uh, goes through all these dynamic situations and your ability to maintain your physical and mental health go along with it. So I think it's important to be dynamic and flexible and willing to adapt to a variety of things and, and, fall back to the healthy patterns that will help you sustain the highest level of capacity. And I use that word capacity very specifically because so many times people think about, um, 
well, I have to be a certain body weight and certain body composition. And that is sometimes unattainable at certain points in our lives, or you go through a, a health issue and you're not able to maintain that, that super lean body mass, whatever. So we should be seeking, uh, seeking performance rather than, uh, rather than, you know, body composition, for example. So, mm-hmm. cause you're going to go through different shapes in your life and that's okay. Mm-hmm. But now I'm not saying you want to let yourself turn into a giant roly poly. You, you have to fight that battle, but you have to be willing to pay attention to yourself and, and really uh, be mindful and of what is going on in your life. Because if you're like, I'm just going to work out like crazy all the time, but you have so much stress in your life that your, your hormones are out of balance and your body's out of balance. You're going to get fat anyway. And it's yeah. even yep. if you, you know, cause you're not getting enough rest and you're, you have so much stress in your life that you're not mitigating that you're going to be unhealthy anyway, regardless of how much you work out. Yep. So funny, yeah. it's a little sidebar here, but when you talk about, you know, I started Fireground Fitness specifically to put training exercises and workouts that were firefighter specific into the internet space, right? Mm-hmm. And what it's turned into for me is conversations about total wellness, you know, about mental wellness and emotional wellness and, and physical preparedness and knowledge, skills, and abilities, and all these different concepts leadership and followership and the concepts that go into making us successful as, as firefighters and human beings uh, on a well-rounded, you know, on the, uh, on the outer perimeter of the wheel, right? Like how how do we keep this wheel balanced and true? Well, all those different elements have to be uh, tuned up and have to be in in the right amount of tension because when, when they're out of tension, the wheel wobbles. Yeah, absolutely, man. That's a good, uh, that's a good analogy. It's like putting a, balancers on your tires right yeah if, if there's even just a little bit of a little bit of imbalance it you can feel it you know driving down the road yeah and uh and it's annoying and nobody wants to <laughs> nobody yep. wants to well, experience that so you remember when you were a kid right and you hit a big pothole and you get a t- you taco your wheel and now your wheel and your bicycle just blah 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 blah, blah, blah. right yeah the way that the wheel stays true and straight and round is by having the spokes be all even tension so if you think mm-hmm. about all the different things in your life that go from the hub to the wheel, uh, those are reflected, you know, are in those spokes. And so having the right balance in those spokes is so important. Um, and I know you're, you know, you originally asked me about, you know, what exercises I was into and I kind of went on a tangent, but no, it's okay. That that's, that's good. It, <laughs> okay. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I I have no, this is order. all important. Like it all ties in, it all yes. ties in. So yeah. Well, that's, that's what I wanted to say is that it's, that it, it all comes back to, you know, what are you willing to do? And, and it, it also speaks to the fact that we as individuals need to be mindful of ourselves and our lives and be engaged in what is going on around us and, and working on our relationships and working on our, um, and being thoughtful about the way that we are behaving in the world and the way we engage with all the things around us. And it's, You know, if you're just passive and let the world happen to you, well, it's going to have negative consequences. Yeah. It's like, uh, you can either choose your path or you can let somebody else choose it for you. And I'd much rather choose that myself. (laughs) I would much rather have my hands on the wheel of that. Um, you talked about how the idea of the infinite game doesn't just go on, you know, isn't just stuck to the fire ground. And I 100% agree with you. I'm glad you brought that up because that was a perfect segue into what I was going to talk about is that it, it extends into your, your personal life and just your life in general. You know, we have, uh, we have a good 20 to 30 years that we do this career and then we have the rest of our lives to live. And hopefully we have treated ourselves in a manner where when we're not wearing this uniform anymore, when we're not, feeling that rush of getting on the fire truck and running on calls and, and having that daily reward of helping people and serving the public, that there's something else that we are finding meaning in and, you know, whatever it is, you know, it doesn't have to be the same thing for every person. So the fact that you brought up that, you know, you like a a dynamic approach to your fitness specifically says a lot because it says that you're willing to, take a chance, experiment on those different things that are out there, figure out what it is you like, and then incorporate those different elements. Um, I liked your analogy with the, uh, with the spokes and the wheel. That was perfect. 
I, um, I teach the fitness and conditioning for firefighters class at the local community college. And the beginning, like day one of every course, I talk about the four, what I call the four pillars of wellness. And uh, it's balance, flexibility, endurance, and strength. And I talk about those things in, in like two phases. And so there's the physical aspect of it. And then you had mentioned, you know, mental well-being and then the mental aspect of it. So like with balance, you know, you've got to be able to have a strong core in this, in this career because what is it? Back injuries are the thing that knock us out the most, you know, and, and those are sometimes some career ending injuries and that's all about core and balance. And, and at the same time, you've got to be balanced in your home life because we don't want to bring the negative stuff we might be experiencing at home to work and vice versa. We don't want to be bringing that negative stuff we experience at work to home. So we've got to, we've got to find that balance. Um, and then flexibility, you know, that goes with, without saying in the fire service, we've, <laughs> I see, uh, and I've done this drill and I'm sure you have too, where, you, you know, you're in full gear and you've got to take your, your tank off and you're breathing air and you got to push it through that ladder rung. And then you got to squeeze your body through that ladder rung <laughs> to get through. It's like that confined space exercise which is super fun it's very fun but uh, it's a lot of work and you got to be flexible and um, at the same time you have to be flexible in your mindset because our job isn't like anybody else's job we're waking up at 3 a.m to help you know the little old lady whose smoke detector might be chirping <laughs> and we can't show up and be like you can't take care of this on your own you know that's not Obviously she can't, or she wouldn't have called us. <laughs> and so we have to be flexible in that. Um, and then endurance, you know, it, it, like I was mentioning earlier, we go into these fires, we've got to be able to stay in there as long as we can. And then just like our career, we've got to be able to stay in this game as long as we can. And we got to do ourselves the service of eating right, working out, keeping a good mindset. And then, and then finally strength. I mean, obviously you have to have a certain level of strength to do this job because the gear we use and the, the tools, all of it. Um, but then we have to have that mental strength, that resiliency to where we can, we can see the things we're seeing, we can mitigate it and we're not carrying it with us. So I liked, I liked your dynamic approach because I take a very similar approach and that really speaks to me. <clears throat> uh, you said something interesting about the, um, the mental piece that I want to touch on, um, we, we often hear people say, hey, man, leave that, leave that shit at home, right? Don't bring that with you to work. And the reality is that, that that's easier said than done. So we have, to be able to, we have to be able to handle our business at home and, and have a balanced and, and well-situated life so that we can be functional at work. You can't, yeah. you can't say, well, I'm just going to leave it at home. And, and when I get to the threshold of the station, I'm going to drop a bag and walk into the station and be totally good to go. It just right. doesn't work that way. Um, everything we do in our lives affects us everywhere we go. Now you can try to manage some of that. And that might make, you know, that might make my coworkers feel real good if I leave all my drama behind me. Um, and that's really easy for them. Right. But the reality is that uh, I have to have my stuff uh, well managed so that I can come to work and be healthy and, and capable uh, but to just say, well, hey, leave that crap at home, uh, that's really not very empathetic, first of all. And second right, of all, yeah. it doesn't really, uh, isn't really uh, uh, fair to the human being who is trying to manage their, their life. And that right. guy really probably needs some tools that he doesn't, he's not equipped with or she's not equipped with and needs to be uh, helped through that situation. So just, yeah. to, you know, we talk about that balance. Uh, it's very easy to talk about it. It's actually very hard to execute on it. And, yeah. um, you know, I've told this story on my podcast. I'll share it with you here. The, um, yeah, I was driving too. across, I was driving across the city one day and, uh, I don't remember why now it's been such a while, but I was, I was, I came across a, a, a street corner where I had witnessed a, uh, massive trauma and it just flashed through my mind. I was like, Oh, I, I vividly remember some peds trauma and blood and guts. It was just a horrible situation. And I'm like, Ooh, I'm ruminating on that as I'm driving across the city. And then I start remembering it unlocked 
the thoughts in my mind and I start remembering, hey, on this corner around a 962, oh yeah, over here we had a structure fire and over here, you know, just different elements of trauma. And I'm thinking about other calls that are just popping up into my head. So everything that we do in our uh, course of our career is indelibly marked in our, in our brains and subject to recall at any point. And it's, yeah. and I like to think of myself as a pretty hard, uh, um, well, hard person. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not the most uh, loving and caring and soft, but I found myself bawling as I'm driving through the city. And I'm like, what the hell is happening to me right now? I'm leaking yeah. out of my face. <laughs> what is going yeah. on? And I come home and I tell my wife about it. And she's like, well, Hey, you've had years and years and years of trauma. Don't you think that that's going to have an effect on you? And I was like, well, actually, frankly, no, I didn't think it was going to have an effect on me. Right. Right. Yeah. And she's like, well, yeah, it's a problem. You've been suppressing it for years. And I'm like, well, I'm done talking about it. Right. Right. (laughs) So, so I, I, that happened to me. And then it took me several years, much like starting a podcast before I grew the courage to actually go and talk to somebody. And I finally went and I started having the conversation with a therapist and I'm like, you know what, dude, I don't feel like I'm really, I don't feel like I'm at a place where I'm I'm depressed or hurting or whatever, but I do need to start unpacking my bags. Yeah. Because if I say, if I keep carrying this crap around with me, it is going to really damage me at some point. Yeah. And I, I have to give my wife credit. She was very encouraging in this process and you know, her thing, we've been married for 28 years. And, and she said to me, Hey, listen, this will help our marriage. It will help you with work. It will help you with our marriage. It will help you with your, all the relationships in your lives. And it will help your mental state. And of course, what do I say? I'm fine. Yeah. I'm fine. I don't need help. Right. But I will tell you, even, even approaching it with that mindset, um, it has been uh, boundless, boundlessly helpful to me. I can't even oh. describe how helpful it's been. Yeah, uh, absolutely. So I would, uh, you know, striking that balance is easy to say, and, but yet it requires deliberate and engaged activity on our behalf. Yeah. We got to activate it. Just like going yeah. to the gym and, and you, when you're going in there and you're trying to get them biceps bigger, you got to hit them curls, right? Well, yeah. if you want to get your brain healthy, your mind healthy, you actually have to go and, and do something about it. Can't just talk yeah. about it. Yeah, there's uh, there's ex- literal exercises for that type of stuff. Um, mm-hmm. We talking about biceps still? Yeah, heck yeah, <laughs> <laughs> brains and buys, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but yeah, we like to we like to think that we can compartmentalize, and and I think you know a lot of us are pretty good at it, but it does compound over the years, and you just never know when it's going to bleed over, yeah. and and we can't just ignore that. We've got to face it. Um, like you said, you know, we, some things we just carry around and, and some things we need to let go. Um, and one of the things you mentioned how, you know, people will tell you and people will shirk it off and just say, well, you just got to leave that stuff at home. And, and to me, that kind of goes against the whole, what's the, how do I say it? The whole like ideal of, of the true brotherhood. You know, because if that person is experiencing that thing and, and we spend a third of our lives with these people in these firehouses, seeing some pretty gnarly things. And, uh, if we're, if we're shirking them off and if we're like pushing them off as if don't bring that here to me, then we are doing a complete disservice to our own people. And we are undermining that brotherhood 100% because the, the fire service is so incredible and in that it's so dynamic in itself. We have people from all over the world uh, in our organizations that have seen things and experienced different things. And you never know if that person can help you with that thing or not. And to dismiss and to dismiss that and to, to you know, act like, well, don't bring that here. It's, it's pretty calloused. And I, I've actually been seeing a lot of that lately in the fire service, which is one of the reasons I'm, I'm, I'm doing this podcast is I want to really try to foster that brotherhood back into things and, and, and help people realize that we got to talk about this stuff, man. Like, and we shouldn't be ashamed about it. We got to talk about this stuff and open up yeah. to each other. Yeah. hundred percent. Well, it's been for so long, it's been considered a sign of weakness. 
right? Yeah. To to be Stigma. vulnerable, to share some of your, you know, some of the things that you might be hurting with because the tough guys don't talk about that stuff. Right. Yeah. And, uh, and that's, and Hey, listen, man, um, if anybody were out there is like, wow, Rain's such a big friggin' pussy. Uh, <laughs> let's talk, you know? Yeah. Let's roll. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, it is, uh, it's not about that at all. It's about, it's about taking care of each other and taking care of our mental health. Yep. And yeah, you may not have a problem that has manifested itself yet. Um, and you may never, right? But yeah. I can't tell you how many retirees I've talked to who who feel very isolated when they leave the job because they're carrying around stuff that they yeah. can't talk to anybody about. But what yeah. do we do in the finals, right? We have conversations about trauma and drama and stuff that we see. And that is part of the therapeutic process. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was at a family party one day this is a long time ago. And everyone's like, oh, tell us, tell us the coolest thing you've ever seen. And, you know, the oh, craziest yeah. thing. Yeah. And I started to talk about this one particular call where this guy had his head cut instead of Dooley's and uh, it did not end well for him. And I'm telling the story about this guy. I was, you know, he, it looked like a, a Hollywood movie, the way this guy's head was twisted out. And I probably shouldn't be talking about this, <laughs> but this, I, I suddenly realized it got real quiet and everyone's looking at me like their jaws are hanging open. Like what? Yeah are you talking about? And I'm like, yeah. you would not believe I found his brain 500 yards away. Like in the, yeah. What? They like, okay. kind of bit off, bit off more than they could chew. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, no more stories at family parties. Right? Like, <laughs> you guys can't appreciate this. And it took me a while to realize that that for us in the firehouse, we can have that kind of conversation because we're all having a shared experience. It's part of what brings us together and bonds us together Absolutely. Um, it is very therapeutic for us to actually unpack that stuff in the firehouse. Yeah. yeah. Um, to joke about it, to laugh about it. Um, but I would say that, you know, there's a, not everyone is, is handling it in the same way. And, and you have to really assess yourself and really, de- de- you know, determine, you know, am I, am I in the healthy place? I should probably go unpack this with somebody um, outside the firehouse and just really make sure I'm staying mentally healthy. Um, because you're not always going to be able to go to the firehouse kitchen table and meet your therapist there. You know, you're going to have to. Right. And and that's, that's a good point. point. Yeah. That's exactly what I was going to say. You, you brought up a good point in that, um, you know, your retirees feel disconnected and, and as we tend to isolate ourselves in that, in that trauma that we experience, we become disconnected. We become disconnected from the people at work, from our families, from the people we love, and that's just a recipe for disaster and, and being able to, to talk about these things openly is good, but we do have to find the right audience because like you said, you know, and and I've had it too, you know, people will ask me out of the blue, they'll be like, Oh, tell me about your worst call. And then it's almost like time stops for me. And then that just them posing that question brings me back to one of those bad calls. And then I have to, take a, a few steps away from that one because there's no way I'm going to talk about that one with yes. them, you know, in a yeah. casual, I know they want to hear something cool, but at the same time, I don't think they understand the gravity of their question. And so we have to like mitigate and filter. Okay. Well this time I, you know, I have to pick and choose what I can tell them and what I can't, mm-hmm. but because you're right, you know, uh, we just experience different things at the firehouse and, and that's what, that's what separates us from, from the general public. And we, you know, we've taken that on, we have taken that on and, and that that's something that we have to be willing to deal with that we have to be willing to talk about. And so you're, you're hundred percent right, man. Um, we've got to be, we've got to be open, do what we can to remove that stigma and, uh, and go from there, figure our, hey, figure our coping mechanisms. Well, there's something I want to add to that. Um, we talk about, a lot of guys will talk about leadership, right? No, they'll say, hey, the organization is responsible for, for helping me with this. They need to provide leadership to me. They need to provide resources and, and you know, employee assistance programs and, and fire strong and all those different types of support systems that exist yeah. out there. That's the organization's responsibility to plug me into that. And what I would, what I would submit to you is that leadership can happen at every level. And yeah. we talk about, um, you know, when you're sitting in the back seat with your partner, he's not going to, you know, Paul Combs has a great uh, cartoon that he has with the guy with a sign around his neck that says, I'm thinking about suicide. 
Yeah, that's a good one. That is, that is not how it is, right? So you're sitting in the back seat. Um, leadership is about, is about understanding your stewardship, right? And, and looking around you and saying, what am I responsible for here? And when you are a teammate on a high-risk in a high-risk organization like the fire, fire company or a fire department, you're responsible for the players that are around you, that are on your team. Um, and whether that's the, you're the backseat guy and your captain is in front of you, uh, you're responsible for that guy, for his welfare, mental and emotional um, welfare to a degree. And certainly to your backseat partner, same thing. You have to be mindful of what they're going through, who they are, what they're all about, and, and what they're struggling with. Uh, because it's, if they may be sitting there thinking, man, the organization needs to plug me in. Guess what? You are the organization. And, yeah. uh, you know, the fire chief can, can stand uh, in, the, in the ivory tower and, and wave their fist. But yet uh, nothing gets done unless we operationalize it in the firehouse. Yeah, that's so true. Our responsibility man. to carry that. That's true. Absolutely. You, uh, it's like you're reading my notes here because the next thing I was going to talk about or wanted to talk about with you was leadership on all levels and, and talking about how um, you brought up a good example in, you know, when you, when you get into that company officer role, you're responsible for your crew physically, like your number one priority as your company officer is to keep your crew safe. Yeah. Number one priority. And, and that's physically, but I believe it's also mentally. You know, and you have to be willing to or able to discern that. But at the same time, if you've spent your career, if you've spent eight to 10 years being a turd and making fun of those people or, or, you know, just completely living the opposite way and then you get promoted and then you expect those guys to open up to you, you got another thing coming. Like, that's not going to work. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Leadership is, is, is a lot about relationships, right? Your job is to, you know, when you are given the mandate to be a leader, right? I mean, it's when it's thrust upon you by virtue of a helmet and a badge, right? right? The organization expects you to be able to, to influence and, and get people to do things that need to be done organizationally. Well, if you don't have a uh, high quality relationship with people, you're not going to be able to get them to do jack squat, right? right. They're going to resist you. Especially if you've, if you have been that guy who has, uh, uh, been resistant to training, resistant to listening in the organization, participating in the organization, what have you, uh, that's going to make it real hard sell for people to want to uh, follow you. And um, so leadership is about, is about mindset. And, and at the end of the day, it's about people and being organizationally engaged, but mostly it's about people. And yeah, the, the thrust of that that I think is really important, I used this word a, a minute ago, but it, the word is stewardship, right? As an organizational leader, let's talk about the, the role of a company officer. Yeah. Your job is to identify what you're responsible for, first of all, right? So first, the first and foremost, you're responsible for the, the three folks on your fire truck with you, right? We'll just say there's three because, you know, the, the composition is different around the country. Or right. yeah. Let's just say you have a four-person engine company. Poof, yeah. it's magical. You have that. And your job is to look out for those people on your rig. The funny thing about that is it's the, the stakeholders are not just the people on your fire truck, right? There's concentric circles that lead outward. So you have your crew. Then you have the crew. You have their family. You have your fire department family. You have the community who has a huge ownership in their fire department, right? Then you have city council and the mayor and, and on and on and on. And the fire service at large expects you, the fire captain to take care of those people. Because if, if a crew goes in and something bad happens, who are they going to look to first? They look right to that fire captain and go, Hey, what, uh, what was he or she doing or not doing to protect those people? Yeah. So that's at the very that's just right at the tip of the spear. But to me, it's, it's more than that. You, you build relationships with your people so that you can understand where they're coming from. What are their strengths and their weaknesses? What, what baggage are they bringing with them to work? Tell you know, what's the status of their relationships. And, and, and you have to understand all that stuff because that affects who they are and how they perform at work. You know, when you go on a call and it's the third diffy after midnight or, the, or whatever, and your crew gets grumpy. Why? Why are they grumpy? 
Yeah. Right? Maybe it's because the guy was spent the whole day before in a fight with his wife and he came to work and he's just freaking angry. And yeah. now he's not his normal self and he takes it out on the customer who's yeah. calling just it's the worst time in their life. They never called that one before. They don't know what to do. They're just not feeling so good. And right. yet we show up and take it, take our life's, you know, drama out on them. So as an organizational leader, as a captain, a company officer, what have you, you have to be aware of who your people are and what they're capable of and then be able to, you know, navigate that. Um, I think that's absolutely critical. I know I've been blathering on for a minute, but I think that that, uh, that stewardship you have is, is a tremendous responsibility. And I think people have a tendency to um, seek the red helmet and badge for the wrong reasons. Um, they're not looking at it, realizing that they're, they have a huge responsibility that goes with it. They just think it's fun. I get yeah. to sit in the front right seat. I get to push some buttons. I get to talk yep. on the radio. Woo! It's a blast. Yep. I've got the title. I've got the pay bump. Yeah. But the, the yoke of responsibility that's placed upon your shoulders is tremendous. And, um, you know, the first time you have, uh, uh, one of your firefighters go down or something happens, uh, you quickly realize the, the true gravity of what you're expected to do, um, and who you're responsible for, you know, and that's, we're not even talking about the fact that the city or the jurisdiction that you work for has given you a piece of the puzzle that, uh, of the city that you're responsible for. You're responsible for knowing that first do and all the things yeah. that are going on in it and understanding the buildings and the building systems and the, and the, and the responsible parties and the construction that's going on and the roadways and the hydrants. There's so many things about your job that, that are, uh, that affect the way work goes down. Right now let's talk yeah. about your second and third do and the companies that work there and the relationships you have with those players. Those are all uh, a big part of your leadership responsibilities because any one of those that is not tended to uh, gets weakened and now you're not as effective on the fire ground when things get serious. Yeah, totally agree. Um, I mean, we, you brought up a good point in, in that company officer. Yeah. You're, you're responsible for yourself. You're responsible for your crew um, as a part of the organization, but ultimately you sitting in that captain seat on that truck for that day you're responsible for everyone in the area that you serve, whether they're, whether they live there, whether they work there or whether they're just driving through like everybody that comes within that little circle or sphere or block area that you are charged in responding to. And your first do you're responsible for every one of those people, every one of them. Yeah. I got to tell you a funny story. So at least I, I think it's funny. So, oh gosh, what year was this? It's, it's quite some time ago, we had a really serious storm situation and um, there was a bunch of flooding down off of Dobbins and 19th, uh, Dobbins and 17th Avenue. And uh, there's a canal that comes down there and the canal was flooded and the whole road was flooded over. And it was like four cars that had been pushed off into this field and they were up to their doors in water. And um, so we mount an effort to go get these people. And I'm, I think I was pretty new captain at the time, <laughs> certainly full of spit and vinegar. So we, <laughs> we come over to these vehicles and the first vehicle, uh, the driver had coded. So uh, long story short, but the, the driver had coded and the wife is doing CPR on this poor guy. We, we extricate him and there's people in every other vehicle as well. So we extricate this guy out. He goes to the hospital. We go back to get these people out. And I'm pretty fired up because we just had to rescue this poor gentleman and this lady's sitting in her car. She rolls down her window and there's water up to the door frames. Now, every water rescue I've ever been on, if you wait long enough, the water goes away, right? In Arizona, this is mostly the case. So yeah. this lady could have sat in her car. The water was going to go away here eventually. But I'm, I'm, I'm high strung now because this lady's sitting in her car. And we just rescued this other guy who was coded, et cetera. And I said, ma'am. You need to get out of your car and come with us. We're going to take you to safety over here, which is about 100 yards across this field and out of the waterway. And she goes, no, I'm going to sit here in my car. I said, ma'am, you have to go with me. <laughs> no, I don't. And I'm thinking like, hey, man, just like you said, you are responsible for everything in your first two. Like, this is yours. I said, ma'am, do you not understand that I am a fire captain with the Phoenix Fire Department? You, you have to listen to me right now. Yeah. <laughs> and she's like, ugh. 
fine. I'll go with you. And so we walk her. Now at this point, the water had dropped down and it's like mid calf. <laughs> so we That's walk great. her out of the field and I'm like, see, you did the right thing. <laughs> anyway, I just, uh, I've calmed down a lot myself. Uh, but, well, uh, and, it, and it manifests in different ways, right? And then that's the whole learning curve. <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. that's funny. How dare you challenge my authority? <laughs> Do you not see the rank on my shirt? That's yeah. right. Do you know? She's like, I don't know what that means. I don't I, know what any of this means. I certainly don't care. Yeah. I certainly don't care. I do not give a rip. Oh, yeah. man, that is good. That's awesome. Well, I know, you, uh, I know you're a big reader. You've had some pretty uh, – you've had some, some interviews on your show with some different authors, and mm-hmm. uh, I see some stacks of books that you've got going on on your Instagram <laughs> page, which is super cool. Yeah. Um, what are you reading right now? What are you reading? Oh, actually, the book I'm it's reading probably right like now, seven different books. <laughs> I've got a couple, but the one the one that I'm reading right now, which has been very uh, eye opening for me, is called it's called the N Word, and um, it is basically a, 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 a history and epistemology of the of the N Word, um, and it talks about how uh, language has shaped our culture and how our culture is affected um, and how it has affected black folks yeah. in, uh, in America and, and around the world, frankly, but, but it's, it's focused very much on, on American history. Uh, really, really fantastic book. Um, and the, the, um, the book I read right before that um, was a Simon Sinek book. And I'm struggling to remember what the name of it was. I want to say it was, the infinite game. Oh, maybe. Yeah. I just yeah, kind of yeah. referenced that uh, earlier in the episode with yes. the whole idea that you're staying in the game as long as you can. Yep. Yeah. I think I, that's his newest one, infinite game. It is. I believe it is really, really good concept. And I'll throw one other book at you that I, that I read yeah, recently. Do it. That I just loved. Have you heard of the author Brene Brown? Yeah. 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 So she has a book called dare to lead and um, really fantastic book. Uh, so I just gave you three very different authors, very different books uh, with very different angles of approach, uh, but just fantastic stuff. I love it. I love it. It's just like uh, it's just like the type of workouts you enjoy, right? <laughs> dynamic. It's exactly. dynamic. You know, one of the exactly. one of the adages that that I've built ignited upon is civilize the mind, but make savage the body. I like and so, it. you know, you've got to take a little bit from here, a little bit from there piece it together and, and, and get some perspective. Um, one of the analogies that I use in regards to perspective is like when we show up on an MVA or even on a structure fire, we don't just get out and attack that one side we see, or we don't just get out and work the things we're seeing, right? We take a 360, we take a walk around, and then we identify any additional hazards. We absorb the information that's useful to us and we implement that information into our plan of attack. And so the same thing could be said for the books that we read, the, the workouts that we do, and even the foods that we eat, right? I mean, all of it, the, the music we listen to, anything that we're letting in our influential sphere um, definitely has an effect on that. Uh, what, are your, what are your thoughts on building a station library? Do you guys have any station libraries in Phoenix? Ooh, you know what? Yeah, I think in some, some corners of, this, of the city we do. And mostly they are, you know, the volumes and uh, the SOPs and, yeah. and a lot of it is, you know, older firebooks um, in some of the stations. Mm-hmm. I, rather than a station library, which I, I do think is a good idea, but I think getting it um, so that it would be useful to more people, I would mm-hmm. love the idea of a, at the very least, a reading list. I, I remember oh, when yeah, I was in the Marine Corps, they had, a, they had the Commandant's reading list. And he had had books on there that were targeted toward different levels of the organization. So you had like, hey, here's what you should be reading if you're a Lance Corporal or a private. Here's what you should be reading if you're a, a non-commissioned officer and then, you know, junior officers, et cetera, et cetera. So that was a, um, and actually I believe that list is online. You can find it. Uh, now, needless to say, it's very military centric. And right. uh, But there's a lot of books on there that just speak to human behavior and 
um, and leadership very broadly speaking as well. Yeah. That's a great idea, man. Reading list. Yeah. I think, I, know, I think that's, if I were chief got, for a day, that's something I'd create. Yeah. Right. Whenever, yeah. Whenever you have like, I don't know how many stations you guys have in Phoenix now, but I know it's a lot. And to try to keep that consistency to do like a station library would be very challenging. That's for sure. Yeah. One of the things that we've done in the last few years, which has been really cool is in our chiefs uh, testing process, they added a reading list to the bibliography. So you had the primary oh. bibliography with all the SOPs and all the standard reading stuff, but they added, um, oh my goodness, what was the couple books that were on there that, um, I think one was called It's Your Ship. Yes, that's a great one. And um, gosh, I have it on my shelf over here. Uh, I don't remember, but anyways, the, uh, there's a handful of books on there. And I thought, man, this is a great start to, you know, getting people to be focused on looking outside of our organization for thoughts and ideas, you know, going to, going to authors who are well studied and researched and who have spent, who have done the work of digging up all the nuggets. And now we go in and, and, and figure out how they apply in our context. I think yeah. it's really helpful. So yeah. reading, I think reading a variety of authors is really important to being able to diversify your leadership skills and, and find out ways find ways for it to just to self-improve and to uh, improve your leadership style and your engagement with your organization. I mean, you can vastly be improved by reading. Yeah. There's audio books uh, counts. I don't care what anyone says. Right. Yeah, <laughs> it does, man. <laughs> Whatever it I mean, takes especially, to get it in your head. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. With the commute, some people, I know that uh, we do a 4896 schedule where I'm at. And so some people live, you know, hours away. And so they use that time to, to listen to audio books and they're, they're putting away information and they're bringing that to their crew and they'll have conversations and it's great. Yeah. So it absolutely counts. So I think that's a great use of time. 100% agree with you. Well, thanks a lot, man. This has been awesome. I appreciate your insight, your perspective, um, all the, all the analogies and the things you were, you were throwing out there are just fantastic. I love what you're doing with the podcast. You have some great guests on. Um, we have a lot of actually of the same people on our rosters. I just yeah. have to get them on the show. Right, <laughs> so that's right. great. But the good thing about that is, is when they're on your show, they might talk about something different than when, you know, and I, than when they come on my show and vice yes. versa. So, well, interesting too, you think about the time and the time and season that they might be on your show, right? So things change for people and we're going to, and you and I are going to take different approaches for sure. Um, but, um, but I absolutely love what you're doing. I think it's valuable to have the conversation. Um, and at the very least, it starts a dialogue. You might totally disagree with what I have to say, um, but it starts a dialogue. And the most important thing we can be doing, this goes back to why I started the podcast in the beginning, right? Is these guys, these senior chief officers were having conversations that I had never heard in my career. And we need to be broadening our conversations in the stations, not just about chow and PT, we need to be talking about um, the way that we engage with our customers. What is our mission? How do we magnify our uh, capacity in our mission? Those are conversations that we can be having at the kitchen table if we're willing to, to engage in them. And Absolutely. Uh, you know, turn the TV off for a minute, everybody face inboard and actually put your phones down and really uh, think about what our purpose and what, you know, you see the Simon Sinek on you here. What is your why? You know, what yeah. is our mission and why are we here? At this, at this, in this firehouse, in this business, and how can we be? Uh, how can we optimize what we're doing while we're here? Absolutely, maximize your time. Well, yeah. thanks again, man. I'll let you hey, go. Thank you, brother. And, Appreciate uh, you having me on. Yeah, absolutely, my man. Take care. Yeah. I hope you all enjoyed listening to that as much as I enjoyed hosting Chief Gray. He's an awesome dude. He's doing great things with Phoenix and he's doing great things with his podcast. He's got a lot of different people on, a lot of dynamic people on his show. Um, I try to get dynamic people on the show as well, but go uh, subscribe, listen to his show. He's got some great insight from a bunch of different kinds of people. So it's really great to hear him talk and pick the brains of those uh, people who might be more experienced or just have a different perspective on things. But if you like the show and you got a lot out of it, please share with uh, share with someone you think needs to hear it. Please share it with everybody and anyone. The more you share uh, the episode and like and, and all of that good stuff and even leave ratings and reviews, the more we get seen 
And the more exposure the show gets and the more the movement grows. So I'd appreciate you doing those things. Also, if uh, you're currently not in the fire service but looking to get a leg up on how to get into it, I'm currently going to be uh, signing people up for the next cohort of the Ignited Recruit Academy. And if you're not sure what that is, go back to the last episode and uh, listen to the ins and outs of that. That's episode 127. Um, basically, it's a it's a way for me to connect with you and help you get you where you need to be mentally, physically, uh, in order to be successful in your efforts in testing to get hired on with the fire department. So we do a lot of different things. We have a workbook. We have reading assignments. Um, I also do a uh, specialized interview lab where I help you refine your answers and we go through a strategic process to help you get better when you're in the hot seat. So if you're interested in that, uh, click the link in the show notes and uh, read up on all the details and sign up. We start mid-July. So I would love to have you in that next cohort. In the meantime, get out there, take action, ownership, and foster that brotherhood amongst your crew and your peers and the people you just interact with daily. Be the firefighter you would want on your crew. Be ignited. Be ignited.